0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: And welcome, welcome, welcome! You're here live with Dr. Jeff Weber, your host. For the next thirty minutes here on Pet Life Radio and Instagram Live, here for you, here for your pets. Questions you have, now's the time to ask free advice. You can't beat free. So uh, now's the time to ask away, see if I can help you do my best. It's worked most of the time. Sometimes it doesn't, but we we do try our best. So uh, anyway, I was saying before the show started, you know, typically I I boast about our weather here in Los Angeles. It's, oh, I look outside, it's sunny, it's gorgeous. Today, not so. Today, it's pouring rain, it's windy. Yeah, it's like I, I said, I'm sure glad I didn't wash my car on Friday. Anyway, uh, they say it's going to pass but the only good news is is that i hear that the snow mammoth right now has almost more snow than anybody it's got a base of, of, of over 30 or 40 inches and uh i'm jealous i want to get out there on my snowboard so yeah it's really great so well I'm, of course i'm waiting for some really good questions anyone on uh, pet life radio it's easy to get a hold of me you can always call 877 385 Once again 877 877- 385 Or better yet, join us here live. You go on to petliferadio.com, click on shows, ask the best with Dr. Jeff. And there's gonna be a link left for you there. Just click on the link, takes you right into our show. And um make sure you have your pet with you because you can join us live on video. I hope you're not shy. And uh, just ask away. And same thing for you guys. Well, you I can't have you here live. I can have you type away questions, which I'm glad you're doing already. I see a couple, so I'm going to get to these. I like to always start so uh 18 years old this month. That's amazing. Christina Escobar-Williams pug, 18. That is fantastic. God, oldest I've ever gotten for a dog was 16 and a half my uh, my Labrador. So that's really great. Okay. The fight starts. Degenerative myelopathy. Levi is slightly getting worse right now. He's only on Adequin. Anything else you can in? So degenerative myelopathy, it's something that we commonly see in German shepherds. They seem to, to be the degenerative DM dog that we see. And basically what happens is it's a demyelination of the main nerves and even the spinal cord and all the nerves that leave the spinal cord. Myelin is a sheath that helps the transmission from the brain through the the nerves to whatever the innervating, and um, it helps speed it up. It's microseconds. But with DM, degenerative myelopathy, the myelin, that's the word myelopathy, the myelin starts to weaken and it sometimes even just disappears. So now the transmission down the nerve takes forever. So these dogs, it's not necessarily a painful condition, but there's no communication between the brain and typically the back legs. And they just get weaker and weaker. They have no control of the back legs. And its, it's problem is you're t- talking about a German Shepherd. So typically you're talking about a very large breed. And then yeah, when you think about Getting the canine cart, the wheels, the wheelchair for a dog. I mean, it's easy when you have that dachshund that blows a disc and creates they become paralyzed in the hind end. Then it, you know, again, you put them in the cart. They do great and um, they're happy. It can be done, of course, with a shepherd. But you have to be strong enough to lift the back end, stick them in the thing, make sure the legs get into the stirrups and the loops. It's not easy, and um, and also these dogs tend to, they know what they're used to be able to do. And all of a sudden they can't do it anymore. They get really frustrated and it's sad to watch. It really is. So anyway, there is no magic. I will tell you that I had a client that had the Shepherd classic case, and um, she spent thousands upon thousands of dollars on remedies, on treatments, on this and that and the other, nothing helped. And if you were to ask her, would you do it again? The answer is resounding, no way. So anyway, it's a problem and again the issue is here it's a nerve impulse problem it's not the actual joint so it's not painful and they just don't have the nerve input into those muscles of the back legs so there's no there's no telling the legs what to do and the muscles to stay toned it's a terrible disease so you know as far as recommendation just help them get up get a hoist get a towel when you walk them you can get these things that you can uh, it's, it's almost like a sling and you put the back legs through it. It's got like a leash handle and you can help them up. And as you're walking, you know you have one hand on the back. It's certainly a challenge, but that would be my recommendation. Next up. Okay. Katie Poo, a Frenchie Foster. Had him about six days. suspect he's been potty-pat trained. Seems to have lost natural instinct to not poop where he sleeps, eats. Can this be reversed? Well, you know, these behavior things, typically dogs that are in a denning situation, if you have them in like a case, a carrier all right? It's called crate training. Then they usually don't want a soil where they have to eat, drink, sleep, and play. So what you can do is start with a smaller area inside a crate, get a small crate, and literally put their toys in there, put their bed, food, and water. Let it be his home. Okay. Then what you do is you walk him at first. It's a time commitment. You're going to walk him every half hour. But when he goes outside, takes care of business, first, major, major praise. I mean, really major praise. Then what you want to do is let him spend some quality time with you outside of the crate. So what you need to start having the association that, let me get, I'm cooped up in this crate, my den, my home, small home. But every time I take care of business outside, I get to come in and take advantage of the big home and get to be with mom. So hopefully they will start making that association and then want to earn that praise, want to earn that time inside the, the big house and not into their little teeny crate house. And um that hopefully in time will work, but you really want to make a big deal every time they take her business outside and when you're when they go inside, you do not ever reprimand them. If you want to be safe, you can put a little wee wee pad down just to make it easier of cleanup for you, but you don't want to ever bring a negative to a natural normal essential behavior. And urination and defecation, that those are normal natural essential behavior. So you don't want to stop it and you don't want to have anything negative associated with it. So to, to punish them for doing it, ah, that's definitely not going to work. So you want to uh, look at the positive side and work hard. But you know, at the beginning, every half hour, maybe every hour or 45 minutes, whatever, take them outside if they don't do anything. You don't want them to wait until they make a mistake. You want to catch them before the mistake they don't know of anything negative associated with it because they've never been yelled at for it, hopefully. So then when you they go outside, kisses and inside the house and praise and, and let them play and get a treat. So this is cute, just to you know how, how this can work. I've had a couple of cases over the years where, think about this, what position does a puppy, usually a puppy, assume physical position when they urinate or defecate, right? Typically, it's that little squat. And so people tell me that when they took the dog outside, all they would do right away would assume that squat position. They didn't have to go to the bathroom. They knew, they thought that they were being praised for that kind of semi-sit. Like you don't sit all the way. You, all you do, you're like, that, and you got all its praise. So they reacted to that. That's what they thought the praise was coming from. Not the fact that they actually urinated or defecated. So it tells you that it can work. So uh, I just thought that was really cute. And I've heard that more than once, too. So he's a crate pooper. Yeah. So, uh, oh, my God. Just walk him very, Katie, you got to walk him very frequently, okay, and give a lot of praise when he does it outside. And hopefully, he'll want to get that praise. He'll want to get the treat. And he stays, otherwise, he stays in his crate. Ultimately, he's going to want out of the crate. And he has to learn that the his ticket out is to do something outside. And uh, don't get frustrated. I know I can hear the frustration. <laughs> don't get frustrated. It does get better. And another Frenchie. Foster. Fortunately, my Frenchies, I have, I'm i on my third, never were crate poopers. They, they do well outside. I know, Debbie, I know it was you. I don't know how many Levi Shepherds there are, but uh, no, I know you changed your uh, Instagram name. All right. I'm just waving. I'm wa- waiting for more questions. Here's another one. What's your opinion on raw chicken wings, sides, breast, for medium-sized large dogs, or raw food in general? So here's my feeling about raw. On the surface, I will say I'm not a big fan. However, having said that, there are some raw diets. And we used to have one. My optimum was raw. But I find that the, and there's some other good companies out there. But what what we did and what the good companies do, where I just feel more comfort knowing that these dogs are eating raw, is going through one of two, or preferably what we did, both of these processes. One is called HPP, high pressure pasteurization. They also call it high pressure processing. And it's the pressure that kills the bad bacteria. You have E. coli, Campylobacter, right? Listeria and Salmonella. They're the big four, the dangerous ones. So if we can kill those bacteria, then there's nothing wrong. Now, this other one is called freeze dry. And if you notice, Stella Chewy's, Dr. Marty, there's some other brands out there that do freeze dry, and that too will destroy these bacteria. So what we did for our Optimum, which is still a little bit available, uh, is you can do we did do both. We did freeze dried and HPP. So the issue is that it's sort of like, look, how many of you eat sushi? Fellow fans, I love sushi. Now, will you just eat any raw fish? Will you go into a, a store, buy a thing of fish, and eat raw? No. They call it sushi grade for a reason, and that reason is they've gone through some process where it kills the bacteria, or it's super super fresh under certain conditions. I've never watched them make sushi. I mean, I've seen them make my, my sushi, but I don't, when the fish is ordered, comes into the restaurants, right? Or the stores, I haven't seen how they where they get it and how they handle it. But typically, sushi grade means that it's meant to be eaten raw. So the equivalent of that in meat for our animals would be sushi grade. And the way to get that is to go through one of those two processes or or both. So long answer to your question, peanut, is. uh, that's how I would do it. If if you buy food and there there are brands out there that have done this, then it's probably safer. Now, having said that, there are really good probiotics. And I know of many, many people that just feed raw meat and don't have these problems. Maybe it's because the the dog's own immune system is strong enough. Maybe because they have the dogs on probiotics as well to take care of that bacteria. I don't know. But I will tell you that there are many out there they just feed raw meat all the time. They buy it at the market and just feed it to them. For that, I think it's a you're spinning the roulette wheel. It's just a chance you're taking, and if it works out, great, good for you. Uh, what he does his business outside, it rains, treats, and we party. Well, it's interesting. Maybe it's something to do with the dog, but at least take advantage of those of those times, uh, or maybe he has to go more often. Maybe walk him a little bit more often, and maybe that'll help. All right, any more questions? Oh God, a lot of waves. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, Bethany asked, should my nephew, Bethany's my sister, so that's her dog, get a Bordetella vaccine if he's never boarded in any facility? My answer to that, if it was influenza you're asking, I would say not necessary. But Bordetella, uh, the the, the late term is kennel cough. And so the concept there is that one needs to have their dog kenneled, of course, in order to get kennel cough. That makes sense. And he never gets kenneled. So why need the vaccine? Because I think now with our outdoor lifestyle, I no longer refer to it as kennel cough. I refer to it as go to the dog park cough, go to the promenade cough, go to Beverly Hills cough, go to the groomer cough, go to the veterinarian cough. It's everywhere. You can walk your dogs on the street. You may not take your dog, but the dog he meets on the street goes to daycare every day. So my recommendation for Bordetella is, and and by the way, just... (laughs) It says, of all the vaccines we give, the least effective is bordetella. So much so that if dogs frequent the doggy daycare or boarding facilities or the groomer, etc., they all recommend a bordetella every six months, and rightly so. The vaccine they say is only good for about four months if you're lucky. So if you do it every six months, then then you're doing it. You know, you're getting two a year. That eight months. Will be protected. You're taking a risk that maybe the four months won't. If you get it three times a year, that's a little overkill. But certainly, if you're worried, but if it's just a, like my dogs are, again, I don't take them to those places. My dogs have their own daycare every single day in my backyard. They run, they play, they party, they swim, whatever they want to do. And so, therefore, I don't do portatella except for once a year. But if you frequented those places, then you'd want to do it twice a year. In fact, as I said, many of now, many of these facilities are actually requiring twice a year. Okay. So this is a, a question about chronic yeast infection, how to blood test it and remove the protein she's allergic to. to probiotics too. What do you recommend to treat it? So I'm assuming this is a dermatologic yeast. It is usually a malassezia dermatitis and they get it in area, moist areas, sometimes with allergy, many areas become moist. And um, first of all, you can do a cytology, skin cytology to see if you can identify the yeast. You can also do A culture, a skin culture, and see if it grows to what's called a fungal culture. That's what we do with cats, for example, with ringworm. So you can um, skin an ear. And then if it's really a a chronic problem, talk to your veterinarian. But there are some really good oral antifungal agents. There is fluconazole, ketoconazole that you can give orally that can also help kill the yeast in the skin and in the ear. Now, also make sure that in the ear, the topical medications you use are also antifungal. They usually are. They usually have something in it that will also control the yeast in the ear. So that's uh, what I'd recommend. But talk to your vet. There are some really good oral antifungal agents that when you have these chronic cases, and oh, by the way, yeast is really hard to beat as you've already seen that. So understand if you're gonna use like one of the anti oral antifungals, you're going to go at least a month you know, using antibiotics, I'll, I'll do 10 to 14 days. With yeast, anti-yeast, I'm going to do 30 days to start. And then you might have to do two or three more months after that. So keep that in mind. Okay, time for our quick break. Uh, don't go away. We'll be back after these short messages from our sponsors. And then we'll come back and we'll uh, answer more questions.
0: For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, The death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, And I love you still. A thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. 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 (laughs)
1: PetLifeRadio.com. And back here live, we had a question about a dog with Addisonian that was was an Addisonian. And I don't know if it was Cushing's first and then treated, over-treated, creating an Addisonian, which sometimes happens, or just an Addison's dog, in which case there is a really effective treatment that is called, it's an injection, typically monthly, anywhere from 28 to 40 plus days, called percortin or Zycortin or Zycort. But it just says it was diagnosed in 2018 and is now PUPD. I don't know if there was any treatment given and we should talk about the different ways to monitor that. PUPD usually is a sign of Cushing's disease, which is the opposite of Addison's. That is a, a, an adrenal gland that's over-functioning, whereas Addison's is an adrenal gland that's under-functioning. So other forms of PUPD or other reasons for PUPD are gonna be kidney disease, could be a bladder infection. It could be, uh, ah, hold on. So also she's on zycortal and daily PRED. So a lot of times we're trying to, we have the mineralocorticoid, that's what we have to fix with Addisonian, and the glucocorticoid that we have to fix. So we always give a little bit of prednisone. And I mean, a little bit of prednisone, it could be like one milligram. So and it could be every two, three times a week, it doesn't have to necessarily be every day. So it could be that maybe the dog is just getting too much pred, because that is always a side effect. But as I was mentioning to, to share with my audience here at Pet Life Radio, is that you want to make sure that it's not one of the other causes of PUPD, such as diabetes mellitus, diabetes insipidus, kidney problems. So I would just have an overall check, also have a full panel of blood tests done to see, because, or it just could be maybe that we can drop the cortisol dose a little bit because what is one of the side effects of too much cortisol? PUPD. That's why Cushing's dogs are PUPD, because their body is secreting too much of its own cortisol. So that might be... uh, One of the things going on? Now, uh, back to uh, Shigem. Oral fungicides, dangerous for senior dogs. She's about 14 years old and 13 pounds. The answer is, like with any drug, it all depends on how well they're doing. What organ is usually, you know, when it comes to these oral, or just any drug, they're metabolized by different organs. The liver seems to be the, the key organ metabolizing drug. So if the liver is functioning well, then you're okay. If the liver is not, it's like with anything, even with non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, what happens if we see the liver is not working well, we may not want to use some of the more common ones, all right? Like meloxicam or carprofen. We might want to go to galloprant because galloprant's a little easier on the liver. So we have to respect the liver. So I wouldn't make a decision of to use or not use just because of age. The same reason why I wouldn't use age as a factor in determining whether or not I'm gonna anesthetize the dog for a necessary surgery. It's not the age that bothers me, it's the condition of the animal. It's the liver, it's the kidneys, it's the red cells, the white cells, the pancreas, how everything is functioning. If everything is good, I don't care if the dog is 12, 9, or 14, I'm gonna go ahead. So the same thing, I was always, and then on a fungicidal medication, like fluconazole, ketoconazole, you need to monitor like every three months, a blood test to monitor the liver. So in answer to your question, it could be dangerous for a senior, but it's not the age that makes it dangerous. It's the liver function that may make it dangerous. All right. So while we are waiting for more questions, you know, this is great. Since I started doing this, I love it because I've always prepared. I have a bunch of things that I go online and check I things that I find interesting. I find interesting. Hopefully you will. But we have great questions. So uh, I do love it. Okay. Fleas and cats. Now we don't usually see a lot of fleas this time of year, but you need to treat cats, even indoor cats. And I know this because one of my, it's interesting. One of my five cats, where he gets it, probably from one of the dogs, the fleas love him. Now the fact that he's also my most and really only overweight cat, maybe, maybe he's tasty. I don't know, but the fleas attack him like crazy, but they do cat fleas, validus felis, also, definitely cause a lot of bacteria. So, they have like Bartonella, Rickettsial diseases, Bulbachia. So, they can transmit, these diseases can transmit to us as well. So, don't ignore your cats, even your indoor cats. You can bring a flea into the house, They can jump on your shoe or your pant leg when you're walking in the house, finds the cats, is. And- This is much tastier than that guy walking in the house. So uh, you never know. So keep that in mind. Right now, prevention is key. But hopefully during the winter, in most places of the country, you don't have to worry that much about fleas. But come March, it's something to think about. This is a common sense thing. But you know what? Common sense would be, you expect more people to have it if it was so common. So, and that is that prehabilitation therapy. You've heard about rehab. How about prehab? So prehab is basically, it's, Keeping your pets as healthy as they can, because you'll notice that when pets are lean and well-muscled, well-toned, okay, no infections, they're they're just in really good shape, good diet, et cetera, then they'll be able to rehab much better. And, And interestingly, this is why one of the reasons when we have a dog, for example, with a bad knee cruciate, the cruciate ligament surgery, the one that I like is the TPLO, that's the exact same surgery, whether you do it early, because only- 30% 30% of the fibers are torn, and you're just starting to limp a little bit. Or later, where 100% of the fibers, exact same procedure. So then why wait? I'll tell you why we want to do it earlier than later. The longer you wait, the more muscle atrophy because of lack of use will happen. Then after the surgery, when rehab is so important, this dog will be a much more difficult time because he's lost so much muscle mass. So that's a perfect example of keeping your dogs well-muscled, keeping them lean. Actually, if they are faced with some sort of procedure, some sort of disease, they will beat it faster and more easily. Now, earlier we talked about, um, Bethany asked about the Bordetella and I mentioned influenza. We are seeing a rise in influenza across the US. It is highly contagious respiratory disease. Again, a lot of boarding facilities, daycare facilities, groomers are requiring it because they know that to get rid of it takes a couple of weeks. And that means they have to shut down for a couple of weeks. And who wants to do that? That's that's their business. So what we're seeing is we're seeing a lot more of uh, facilities, not recommending, but now requiring it. And it's probably a smart thing to do. And why are we seeing more of it? Probably because during COVID, people weren't going out. Okay, now that COVID has lightened up, more people are going, they're taking advantage of this and they're traveling. So they're leaving their dogs in boarding facilities or they're going back to work. So they're putting their dogs in daycare or they're going to the dog park with their dogs. So the potential for these diseases to spread for what we call contagion is much greater now than it was say a year ago. And that could be one of the reasons why we're seeing so much more of it. And uh, so it is spreading. And this is, this is an interesting fact, it does nothing for your pet care, but it's really a cool. Okay, C14 radiocarbon dating revealed a leg fragment That was discovered in 1985 in Spain's Basque region from a domesticated dog that lived approximately 17,000 years ago. Now that coupled with some other radiocarbon dating of two canine fragments of skulls that were found in Russia basically suggests that dogs lived alongside humans some 3,000 years before we previously thought. So Domesticated dogs, they go way back. I have my theory. My friend Marty Becker and I have, have, you know, kind of made up this theory in our minds about, you know, how this happened. Think about this. You know, you, you got two, maybe cavemen, whatever, going back thousands and thousands of years, sitting around, and um, and they had dogs, you know, working dogs, and they would sit down at the end of the day and have their glass of wine, whatever, they're chilling. And one of the dogs just came over and just started nudging freezing. Maybe it was a, an anomaly of this dog. And they wanted to get pet. It was a working dog. They, they live with them just for work. And they started They dog nudged up. So they started petting it a little bit. Okay. Well, now it's time to breed these dogs. And so which dog you think they're going to choose to want to breed? Well, that friendly dog that used to come over and want to get little hugs and pets. So whatever that was in that gene that caused this dog to want to do that, now they're breeding it. And then couldn't you imagine? And then those dogs get bred. And those dogs, before you know it, you got domesticated dogs. Dogs that love to work and be with us just as much as we love to be with them. Of course, our attitudes towards pets have changed as well. I mean, there are people that have dogs. That's all they're for is working. But you know, then there are people, then they're nuts like us who, who, who want the dog sleeping in bed with us because they're so much fun and you get so much love and affection from them. So, And we really appreciate the bond the relationship. So uh anyway, I think that's that could be what happened. But the good news is it's, it happened a long time ago. So, and oh, we're already over time. One quick more story. Well, just remember, it is time to start decorating for the holidays. We must be careful out there. And we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but I'll just mention some of the things just, you know, things like the trees, um, mostly decorations, the ribbons, the tinsel, electrical cords, all these are potential hazards. For our pets, the lights of, of uh, candles, cats are very intrigued by a flickering light, so they want to touch them. So um, the short answer, we'll talk more in depth uh, next week, But and we're going to get to the holiday foods to avoid. We'll talk about that next week also, but start thinking about, as you're setting up for the holidays, how can I keep my pets safer? What can I do to avoid the mishaps, to avoid the commonly caused mistakes that we make that are hazardous to our pets? Anyway, if you have any other questions you want to talk about, just send them to me here on Pet Life Radio, Dr. Jeff at petliferadio.com. We'd love to hear from you. And also, you know, all our shows are recorded. You can go on to petliferadio.com, click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and you will see, I don't know, Mark, we have a couple hundred, I guess, shows in the, in the can. So you can just so much things to learn. Hopefully, 400. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, boy, do I talk a lot. So, anyway, and, um, and let me just make sure I've said hi to everybody. And for all of you out there, have a great week. Those of you here in LA, day dry, you can always get a hold of me. Those of you on Instagram, you know how to get a hold of me. And um, I'm so thrilled. Talk to your friends, have them follow me on Instagram. I just hit 9,100 followers. I'm shooting for 10,000. So talk to your friends. Say, hey, you know that Dr. Jeff, you wanna learn something about your dog? Follow him on Instagram, you'll learn a lot. So plus, you see great stories. By the way, Mason that dog that you see the most believable tumors right he was in last week next week this week he's coming in for suture removal he looks amazing what a transition what a transformation of this dog to something that was going to be put to sleep because nobody wanted to even pet him let alone adopt him and now uh, hopefully we'll find a home for him so anyway thank you all and uh, we'll see you next week have a great week bye
0: let's talk pets every week on demand